the Global Bird Fair in the UK is the fest like no other. You really have to see it for yourself. It truly is a wonder. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts in anything that we discuss that might be controversial. I want you to remember their own opinions and they might be different from yours. So we're getting right to the end of summer. Yeah, summer's like. almost over suddenly. I, but I feel like it was also the longest summer of my life. We all we all wanted sun until we had sun, and then <laughs> now we all want rain again. Yeah, uh, it was a surprise waking up to rain yesterday. Yeah, I liked it. So I'm sure you did. speaking of uh, getting into rain, October big day is yes. coming up. Um, two months away, a little, little less than two months away. Yeah, and I just saw you know eBird posting about it and uh, Global Birding talking about it so Mm -hmm. that's how it just really you know got in my mind like oh man that's almost here yeah it's the end of august now so that's september and then october we're there boom yeah so we will definitely put together another team for the global bird weekend Mm -hmm. so please uh make sure to look for details for that we'd love to have you join our team and of course try to beat our record from last year which (laughs) is always always fun so um we need birders from all around Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world, yeah. Yeah, and so we'd like to try to, you know, get different spots. So if you'd like to join us, those details will be out as soon as I get working on that. So you've got a couple podcasts coming out soon, right? Yeah, I do. So for Women Birders Happy Hour, I have an episode that's coming up on August 31st, so a week from this episode's release, with Adrian from Birds Caribbean. And I've so enjoyed having the different folks from Birds Caribbean be on my podcast and learning all about these really fascinating places in the Caribbean that I, you know, always had on my list of like places to go, but never really knew a whole lot about them. So mm-hmm. learning a ton about those locations, meeting some amazing women who are doing conservation work or communication work and uh, really trying to make an impact in that region of the world. So I'm very excited about the partnership that I've had going on with them. That's awesome. And then also a, another episode of the Bird Nerd Book Club will be coming out on September 14th. And that will be with a new book that's coming in out of the UK called Finding W.H. Hudson. And that's by Connor Mark Jameson and published by Pelagic Publishing. So looking forward to um, finishing that book and then also <laughs> talking with Connor about it. So definitely check both of those out anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. And so we're going to be doing a little bit of travel. We just got back from England a couple couple weeks ago. Got yeah. back from the topic of this podcast. Got back from that trip and we'll be we'll be going to doing some things soon. So in September we're doing the Wings Over Willapa um, National Wildlife Refuge Festival that they've got going on there, southwestern Washington. So not um, too far away. Yeah, not too far away. We're coming up real soon. A couple couple weeks from now. Um, and then also we literally just booked um, yesterday, I think maybe day before um flights to oaxaca so we are going down to oaxaca mexico the first uh first week in october and that uh, one's just for funsies so if yeah, anybody just for funsies. if anyone has any suggestions of things that we should check out we are planning on staying like in near the oaxaca airport in mm-hmm. that town so please make sure to send us any suggestions that you might have we're hoping to hire a guide to tour us around to some of the locations um around there but yeah we're do, do some local birding that'll be that'll be a, a blast and maybe some maybe some relaxing taking in taking in the culture of the city oh definitely stuff. yeah i'm checking i'm excited to check out all those markets yeah and then uh, in november the rio grande valley birding festival as as we do every november we just got our official invitation and the brochure is 
available it's on available their website. To, on, on the website to look up so you can see what things kind of do a little bit of planning ahead it looks like we're doing uh beginning birding for three of the days and then we don't know what we're doing for the other two days so that'll be uh something we all find out together yeah we'll find it out together yeah so we're, we're really really excited for this festival there's some some new things that are kind of interesting uh there's going to be a, a conservation gala this year and and then, like, the regular things that are always there, um, going up and seeing the um, owls up in King Ranch, um, going up to the um, the Upper Valley. All the regular trips are still there, and then they've just added a few extra things in there, so it's kind of kind of exciting to see what these new things are going to offer. And then at the end of the year, the International Conference for Women Birders is uh, still tentatively happening in Uganda, so look look for more information on that as that uh, as we approach those those dates for that in December. And then San Diego Bird Festival, February. Um, we'll be going down to San Diego in February to go bird, bird birding by bike and or other stuff, yeah. possibly. I'm really excited for that. Spring Chirp in, at the end of April down in the Rio Grande Valley again. And then Hannah's, Hannah's uh, very fun, exciting trip that I don't get to go because <laughs> um, in September of 2024. Yeah, so that's the Amazon Birding Expedition Brazil for Women being um, organized by the uh, Birding is the World Brazil. So really looking forward to that. There's still a couple spaces left if you want to check out Brazil with me. Um, so please make sure to check out the website in the show notes for more details on that. Yeah. All right. So now winner of Bird Nerd giveaway. Yeah. So the Bird Nerd giveaway, this time we asked that you tell us something that you do to help a species in need. And the winner, the randomly selected winner, would win a tea towel that has puffin stuff on it. It's very cute. And a binocular lens cleaner from an artist that we met when we were at Bird Fair Mm -hmm. named Sandra Vick. It's all very cute. Love it. Uh, But you know, we had so many great entries for had a this. H- handful of emails and then a ton of response on uh, on Facebook, on Facebook, and then uh, and, and messages and stuff coming through once once we posted it on Facebook. So it was a lot of uh, I can't remember what the total number it was, but it was it was a pretty pretty significant number to to sift through and uh, random number generate. Yeah, but it's always us. fun to read the different answers. A lot of folks said you know they keep their cats inside, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. Um, they plant you know native plants and try to you know wild their gar- yards up a little bit to yeah. create more habitat in their area for wildlife. Uh, the randomly selected winner was Connor, and I'll just read you what Connor had to say. So something I started doing two years ago for one of our local nesting birds, the Lucy's Warbler, is building special nest boxes and giving to friends and family for their yards. As with most birds human expansion has led to habitat loss for lucy's warblers here in the southwest who prefer mesquite trees for foraging and nesting the first nest box i built and put up in my dad's yard has been used two years in a row now it's nice to know we can help lucy's nest in the middle of town even if their habitat has been depleted yeah, that so is that awesome. Is, that's so cool. Congratulations, Connor, for doing all of that really cool work. I always, like, have, you know, like, a dream that I'm going to, like, learn to build nest boxes. <laughs> but I just don't have the skills and time to commit to it. But I'd love to be you, able you to You have the skills it. to commit to. You just don't have the time. Well, you'd have to teach me how to do it all. Because I know you know how to do all that stuff. You just tap a tap a tap and all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, you have a box. 
<laughs> well, anyways, couple, it's... A couple screws, a couple pieces of wood, a couple holes. Boom, boom. I'm, I'm always really impressed by the, the folks who are out building bluebird nest boxes and like Connor, you know, mm-hmm. the Lucy's Warbler nest boxes and trying to create habitat for them. So can, that's awesome, Connor. And thank you all to everyone who submitted what they do to help birds. Mm-hmm. And thank you for doing that kind of work. Yeah, that's because awesome. even you know the little things matter. Absolutely, every, every little every little thing matters. If every every person does a little thing, then there's some big things happening. Yeah. So Connor, we'll get in touch uh, about getting you your prize, and thank you all for entering. Yeah. Stay tuned next month for our next bird nerd giveaway. <laughs> okay. So um, you make it sound haunted. Bird nerd giveaway. <laughs> it's not Ooh. October yet. No, it'll it'll be the next one. Anyways, so we uh, we just got back from Bird Fair. Yep. Um, last episode was an interview with Hannah Born Taylor. Yeah, and um, before that, we talked about our time in Scotland. Mm-hmm, exactly. So this is kind of not quite the full wrap up, but basically the wrap up of Bird Fair of what what we did while we were there and all that cool stuff. So we got down. We drove down from Scotland. We did mm-hmm. all of our birding up in Scotland um, that we could do for the for the day we were there. Drove down. Got down to. Um, to our B&B, we'd booked a B&B in Uppingham, which is just, um, it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes south of the Rutland Fairgrounds themselves. Yeah, so if anybody knows anything about Bird Fair, like the location it's in is Rutland. Mm-hmm. And there is not a whole lot of lodging for the 12,000 plus people that come to this event. Yeah. There's There are a number of like small places, like B&Bs and small like hotels. Yeah, there's hotels and stuff in the in the surrounding surrounding towns in Uppingham and in uh, Oakham and all all of these and Corby. small Corby yeah, some, these small villages that are kind of around in the area, but they also but nothing is a big metropolitan area like what um, many festivals in the U.S. are centered exactly. on. So like the San Diego Bird Festival has a whole bunch of giant hotels, and then Rio Grande Valley has a whole bunch of hotels relatively close-ish. So like this is it's not situated in the same sort of way. There's not a giant hotel industry in uh, Rutland or in the surrounding Rutland area. Yeah. And there are, um, they did provide a number of different opportunities for lodging Mm -hmm. besides that. Like there, you can stay in the schools. They have a couple of schools there that I haven't really investigated that too much, Yeah, but it's like they have, you know, kind of dorm style lodging available that you can rent through the festival. And they also had glamping this year mm-hmm. in one of the um, parking areas. Yeah. And and they, last year they allowed a uh, caravan parking. In, I think in they did that this they year too, near the year? glamping. Okay. Yeah. 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 So if, if you're, if you live in the UK somewhere, you can, you can drive your, uh, your caravan down or you if you probably just want rent to one. You probably rent one. Yeah. But um, there, there's options if you don't want to stay in a hotel or a B and B or at the school. So there's, there's kind of, there's a variety of options, but it's no single silver bullet option for lodging for but the area. But it is a limiting factor yes. for this event. So that that's kind of what I was getting at, is that I was like just frantic when we decided we were going to go, mm-hmm. or we were like thinking maybe we'd go again this year. I was frantically trying to find a place to stay. and the ten, lo- month, ten months ahead of time. Yeah. And one of them, you know, the place that we stayed last year, the King's Arms, I was really hoping we could get back in there, but yeah. they were already booked. The Falcon Hotel, which is one of the nicer, bigger ones in Uppingham, apparently had a wedding occurring at the same time. Mm-hmm. So all of their rooms were booked. <laughs> so really the B and B that we stayed at ended up being like the the last option that I could really find. Yeah. Which isn't to say that it wasn't wonderful. Oh, it was spectacular. <laughs> I'm not sure why it wasn't already full. Uh happenstance. Yeah. But we ended up at the Holly's B and B, which like Eric said is in Uppingham. 
And it's in a great location in town. You're able to just walk anywhere from that one spot, which is really nice. Yeah, and and the parking for her place is, you could just park straight across the street from it. It's all good. And uh, like Hannah said, two blocks to walk to the nearest restaurants. Really, really close by. We, uh, we, I don't think we, we never ended up going to any of the restaurants this year that were nearby. We went to a Chinese restaurant. Oh yeah, we did was, go to, yeah. it was walking distance, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so f- fantastic location. Uh, we had a sec- a third floor room mm-hmm. in her house. Uh, she had a historic townhouse that, what was it? It was like a year too young to be a Georgian house. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. It was just w- one year past the cutoff for it to be considered Georgian. So... It's interesting, it, and, and that was that was a sticking point. That was something stuck in her stuck in her craw about it. So it was interesting. Not not that she was around during that time no. <laughs> for it to be there, but but it's kind of interesting that uh, the the um, holding on to the eras that your buildings were built in and having the reverence for the historicness of your of your structure. It's kind of kind of interesting, Di- different than what we have here in the States. It's just so funny how I think our house is so old, and it's like, her house is way older. and oh, it's so much older. <laughs> yeah, a, a 1947 cottage is not, uh, has is nothing compared to <laughs> what we were staying in there. Yeah, so she has two very nice rooms with their own restrooms, and she serves a full English breakfast, which was wonderful, and so mm-hmm. it was very nice, pleasant stay. Um so I yeah I really enjoyed staying there. We never really stayed in bed and breakfast before, so yeah, we're not really B and B people. Well, because we, we get up early and leave usually, but yeah, it's like well, this kind of forced us to kind of get into it and sit and and get up later and and have breakfast and all that stuff. Right, so we weren't being rude, just like leaving without breakfast. <laughs> so it was a different experience. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we got into our hotel, got situated for the evening and the next morning got up and first day of global bird fair. Yeah. So first day, um, bird, bird fair doesn't really start till like 10 AM. So somewhere around 10, 10, 11 AM. That's when re- things start getting busy and they kind of open up the gates, I think at 10 and then it kind of goes on from there. And if we haven't really explained it well in the past, or if you haven't listened to any of our past episodes about global bird fair, it's not a festival like one that you would find in the U.S. In the U.S., typically festivals, birding festivals, are that there's field trips in the morning. They start, I don't know, like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. go until like noon or 2 or something like that to different locations around the area. And then you come back and there's vendors that you can go chat with and, you know, buy products from. There's yeah. usually some kind of food offering and then evening talks. And so that's typically the format for a regular festival. That we... a, a festival. And so this is different because it's a fair. So yeah. it's Global Bird Fair. So think more along the lines of like state fair, county fair, those sorts of things. But take out the um, the trips. rides. Oh. T- take out all the rides out of your county fair, your state fair, or um, whatever type of fair you're used to going to. And it's basically that. So lots and lots of vendors, lots of things to buy, lots of things, a, n- a number of things to eat and drink. But not the field trips, yeah. the field trip situation that you get at a festival. Yeah, and talks. There's many, many, tons many tons talks. talks. Tons of talks, which is awesome. So much information you can get. You, we, we missed so much information because <laughs> I mean they were going concurrently. So you had you had three um, small tents, a big tent, another small, another medium sized tent, and a the workshop, podcasting booth. a podcasting booth, like all of these things, and they're all going on simultaneously, constantly. Another thing going every every forty five minutes there was another talk starting. Um, every like two hours there was another talk starting at the big main headliner, 
at the big um big huge tent for uh for the keynotes and stuff so it's just like this constant revolving door of information just being thrown out there along with hundreds of vendors so that's so. why it starts later <laughs> in the morning yeah so because it started later that we take that opportunity we took that opportunity this year to go out and go birding again first mm-hmm. thing in the morning before things happening Things started happening. Um, we went to Angli- um, the Anglian Bird Watching Center, which is part of Rutland Waters. It is a- it's actually where Bird Fair used to be at. They used to be there, and they outgrew that area, so they've they kind of transitioned over to the fairgrounds now. But um, it's all really close by, though. Oh yeah, it's, it's all that, a couple miles. away. That's from why each other. we chose that location because it was so close mm-hmm. to the Bird Fair, and we were it was on our way. And, and we had stuff to do first thing in the morning. We, we were the first podcast interview of the day, so we were like, we need to make sure we. Do some birding before we get out there, kind of relax and de-stress a little bit. Go out there and look at some birds. But it was pouring down rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they have a blind right near the entrance to mm-hmm. it. They have this beautiful nature center, and I, we've talked about it before at RSPB sites and other birding locations and centers throughout the UK. They usually have a lot of facilities and offerings. And so that one they Cafes, have... Cafes, flush toilets, all that stuff. Yeah, so at the Anglian Water Bird Watching Center, they have a really nice visitor center mm-hmm. and then a number of blinds off of there. But right next to the visitor center, there's a blind with feeders. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of plopped down there and enjoyed watching, you know, the goldfinches and the dunnocks and yeah. those uh, sorts of birds that, you know, we haven't seen too often but wanted to get good looks at. And blue tits and great tits and chiff chaffs and Anything that you can think of that are like English garden birds were sitting yeah, and back there. I'm I'm fairly certain the Dunnock is the same Dunnock that was our lifer Dunnock from last year. Oh, you think so? I think so. I, th- I think both of them had that uh, that messed up eye. Did, oh, I think, I was I think say, last year I got a picture of it with a messed up eye. I think again this year I got a picture with a messed was, up eye. I was going to ask, did it wink at you? <laughs> it did. It winked with a, with a messed up eye. Yeah. But it was so funny that we were sitting there enjoying the feeders. And who shows up? You know, there's 12,000 birders that are coming to this, this event. Mm-hmm. who shows up through those gates behind us it is alan and yoav yeah. our birder friends from israel that we had just left months a couple of months back in in the spring when we left israel for for, for that so now all of a sudden we're meeting them in a whole nother whole nother place i know but it was just like just like, out of nowhere the, the only other people there anybody could have walked through the gate <laughs> it was them so that was serendipitous yeah we just turned around and here comes the land walk, walking around the corner it's like oh hey how's it going <laughs> And that's one of the things that I love about birding, you know, it's, of course, we both knew that we were going to be at Global Bird Fair, but it's just not, it's not like a huge, uh, huge deal to see some, one of your friends halfway across the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, said our good mornings and everything and did a little bit of catching up for the last two months or three months of not seeing each other. And then, uh, we were like, okay, it's time. We got to We got to get back to, we bird. had responsibilities. We had time. responsibilities. We had an interview to do. We had to start off the whole thing with an interview. So we needed to get back to bird fair and get in there, which is easier said than done <laughs> close to open close to the time of the gates opening on day one. So global bird fair this year had over 12,000 people. And I think all 12,000 of them were trying to get in at the same exact time <laughs> because we were in a line, which I had not anticipated how bad the traffic was. They wanted be. to be there for rope drop. Everyone wanted to be there for rope drop. So we, we got there and we're like, maybe like we only, we only drove like two minutes away from uh Rutland water. And then we were in traffic yeah. and we were sitting in stop and go traffic as people were trying to get through, trying to get through. Trying. And it, it took us a lot longer than we expected to get into bird fair just because of the traffic. Once we, once we got through the traffic though, it was things things opened up and we were able to get right in to so this whole place that's 
It's, it's a fairground. So they don't use the entire fairgrounds. A, lot, a big portion of it is used for parking. There's, I think, some some other event was going on or something. or may, They closed off another section of it. But um, I use Google Maps to kind of measure the the actual field that we were in. And the field is about seven acres. So it's a pretty large field. It's full of marquee tents ranging from 150 to 250 feet long. And um, I don't know, like maybe 50 feet wide? Something so, like I, that? I, th- I think some of them said, like one of them I remember seeing said 60 oh. on it. Like it was th- that was the length of the thing. So 50, 60, so- somewhere on there wide. And then 150 to 250 feet long. Um, some of them are intersecting each other to create bigger tents. It's this whole spectacle to see over over seven acres marquee tents that are huge um all sorts of vendors you have optics vendors every optics company that you've probably ever heard of and also a bunch that you've never heard of were there and they're they're just like filling out there's the big huge main optics tent and then there's a couple smaller optics tents and then there's some random optics vendors that are mixed into the rest of the rest of the of the whole expo itself so tons and tons of things to see. Every single, almost every country in the world has a DMO there that's representing the country or a guide company that works in that country that's there representing. Which I think is so fascinating because last year we talked to a number of those uh, vendors from mm-hmm. different, or those uh, DMOs, yeah. the destination marketing organizations from those com- countries. And we'd say like, you know, we've never seen you all in the U.S. And they would be like, oh, do you think that's a good market that we should investigate? <laughs> And, you know, it's like Trinidad and Tobago and St. Lucia, like places that aren't that hard for, you know, Americans, at least on the East Coast to get to. Yeah. Because it's a it's a quicker flight from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. We have to travel we from the West Coast. We have to go to the East Coast and then yeah, go down. Yeah, like Dallas or Miami in some cases to get to those places. Um, but it also occurs to me, you know, that it's harder for those folks from those countries to get into the U.S. Because yeah. a lot of times they have to have a visa and it's so arduous to get a visa from some locations to get into the U.S. Yeah. So that's potentially why we're not seeing them at some of these festivals. But it's just, it's so unusual <laughs> to be like, hey, you're from my region of the world. I've never met you before. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I, I forgot. So I, I kind of glazed over DMO. Hannah, Hannah mentioned Destination Marketing Organization. So the, these are organizations that are usually government organizations that are funded by tax dollars in some fashion, either tourism tax dollars or local tax dollars. And their job is, it's like chamber of commerce and stuff like that. Those are the sorts of organizations that are DMOs. They, their job is to market a location. So Mm -hmm. we have, we have our chamber of commerce here in Cannon beach and the job of the chamber of commerce. Part of the job is to advertise the location and try to, steer the message that comes out about this specific location and every almost every single city in the in the world has this and every country at least has it and states and like all of these different levels of dmos that exist and so they're there essentially to convince birders in the uk that their country is next should be next on their list of places to travel yeah and there were hundreds of them there hundreds of countries represented and lots of times there was multiple multiple representatives from a single country that are representing different regions of the country. See, like Spain had a, had a couple different booths oh, yeah. that were like... They had like three or four. Yeah, representing like, oh, the Valencia region or... Andalusia. The, um, Andalusia or the um, Iberian Peninsula. Like these these different sections that are being represented. So like every... Tons of different DMOs that are there representing lots of different stuff. And then lots of different guides. Well, you know, the thing that I think is kind of funny about that mm -hmm. is that a lot of times it's a government official, like one government official that's there or that works for, you know, that DMO. And sorry, the reason we know so much about (laughs) this is that Eric is on the chamber board here in where we live. So he knows a lot about it because of that. From from the backside. Yeah. And I, 
got my master's in this kind of work and so in leisure studies and travel. So we both know a ton about it <laughs> and re actually really like to talk about it. So the thing that I think is really interesting about mm -hmm. it is that there's that one government official or, yeah. you know, person that works for the DMO. Sort, yeah. And then they oftentimes had like two or three people who own businesses in that area. And so L lodges or guide companies or, or what, what have you. When we talked to the Malaysia booth in mm -hmm. Sabah, you know, there was the guy that owned the Sakao um, burning lodge that mm -hmm. we'd stayed at. Yeah. And then there was somebody that owned a separate burning lodge. And I just, I think it's really cool that they offered that opportunity for those people who own, you know, lodges or businesses or guide companies or whatever to join them and helping promote that area. Yeah. Yeah. So... Not not only it wasn't just travel. So the whole thing's not just travel. Yeah. It's not it's not just optics vendors and travel. There's t also tons and tons and tons of art being displayed. Lots there's of one huge tent that's just for art. Just for art, and there's also all this mixed in um, different um, birding paraphernalia. So <laughs> like birdhouses and books. Books. They have, and had like ten stands of books. So many books. So many books, and and tons of authors there to autograph all of their books that they have. They have used books, new books. They also have. Uh, like just products, antique books. Yeah, well, antique books. They had just like birding products, like rows and rows of birding products. So mm -hmm. like things to help save birds. Like the swift boxes yeah. were were um, at one of the booths, and there was birdhouses, birdhouses, and there was a plant booth too. Yeah. So all that stuff. And in addition to vendors that are there trying to sell you or trying to get you to come to places, they also had, like I said, all these presentation tents. So they had a big mo monster one that was, I don't know, two hundred by two hundred feet. It was this huge thing. And then they had three smaller tents that smaller, relatively smaller. They're still large tents. They're just as large as a tent you'd find at any U.S. festival. And there's probably, three of them. Probably seating for like 100 people. At least 100 people, yeah, within it plus a stage there. Yeah. And then uh, there was another, there was a workshop tent. There was another small tent, um, the two more small tents for presentations. All these different things. They're all running all the time. The big, huge ones got um, keynotes, big names that are there, like Stephen Moss, Dominic Cousins, David Lindo, these huge, like, authors and um, people that are huge personalities in the birding community, especially in the UK birding community. And they're up there giving presentations and kind of goofing off playing, playing different games and stuff like that with each other. Like a great, great time to see things. And then the workshops, they're running, running different workshops about photography, digiscoping. About digiscoping. Koa ran a whole bunch of digiscoping. I think it was like two a day they did, but they were just running all day long, all these things, all to entertain the 12,000 plus visitors that came this year. And and this year it was it was pretty busy. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't at capacity though. I from what from what I heard, we're talking twenty five thousand um, pre COVID. So this is this is up. I think it's up like almost um, almost three quarters more or something like that from what what it was last year. We we're oh, we we're wow. under like nine thousand or something last year, and then this year it's um, t over twelve thousand. So it's 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 growing back to where where it was pre COVID, which is which is great to see. And then all in all, it's over 280 exhibitors mixed in throughout all these tents. So it was pretty, pretty awesome, but we didn't have time to look at any of that. We were busy. We had, <laughs> we had a thing to do. We had to interview Hannah Bourne Taylor, which global bird fair put together this whole tent, which we described it at the beginning of the Hannah Bourne Taylor interview that it's one of the, the Swarovski booths that they, the trailer they haul around. They set that thing up pretty awesome right next to the food so that people can sit and eat food and listen to the podcast getting recorded all day long every hour there was another podcast starting so that's that's what we had our morning slated for yeah not to, not exploring unfortunately <laughs> so yeah we did that and then right after that 
interview with Hannah, which was so much fun. Then we ran over to the presentation from Bird Life Israel, mm -hmm. where they were announcing about the 2024 Champions of the Flyway, because, of course, we wanted to be in on the ground floor. We want to at least know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, help support that, you know, effort, because it's just, we always had, the two times that we've competed have had so much fun. Yes. We want to help spread the word about that as much as we can, because it's such a cool event, even if you don't get the opportunity to go. So we listened to the, the conversation and Yoav did a great job of explaining, you know, the event itself and how to participate and all that stuff. And then they presented this year's uh, Champions of the Flyway effort, which is the White Stork. Yes. In conjunction with Nature Tan Tanzania and NABU, who is an organization that supports Nature Tanzania. So totally looking forward to seeing how that grows and goes this next year in 2024. So then we spent the rest of the day exploring the Marquis and socializing with all of our friends that we haven't seen for so long. So Get, if, getting a couple of, a couple of beers along the way. Oh, of course they, not only is there food, but there's also a couple of beer stands that are serving a local brewery, the grain store brewery. They provide some, uh, some bird themed beers. They have an Osprey golden ale and, a um, the, what do they call it? The, Red kite, red ale. Yes. <laughs> that would make sense. That would make the most sense. Yeah. So they, they have a couple beer, bird themed beers that are, that are pretty good. So they, we kind of enjoy that while we wander around and spend, uh, spend hours just going from aisle to aisle. Like so many, so many friends that we know from, from travels and then also just meeting new people that we've never, never had the interact, the chance to interact with. Yeah, and it was funny because we were carrying our binoculars, you know, as one does. And a guy one of the, from... One of the very few people who carry binoculars <laughs> at Bird Fair. That's what I was going to say. You know, when you're walking past all these vendor booths, like a lot of them have like, you know, ways to grab you and pull you into their booth to talk yeah. with you. And one guy stopped and us and he was like, hey, you're wearing binoculars too. <laughs> and he was like, I, I'm the only person that I've seen today carrying binoculars. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was an interesting like because they're always trying to find something to hook you, and then it's like you're the only one with binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so much fun finding out about all of these amazing opportunities. You know, last year we met the Bird Up people mm -hmm. at Global Bird Fair, and this year you know we got to hang out with them a little bit more. They have a lot of new stuff going on, and I'm really excited about getting more people involved in the platform. Um, of course, Berta, you know, is more like a social media network combined with uh, bird sightings. And mm -hmm. so it's fun to see the growth of that program. We also ran into another American uh, from Terra, which oh, yeah, yeah. has these really cool, um, I don't even know what you call them. They're like these. It's like a speaker thing. That go, it's, a, it's an outdoors, outdoor microphone yeah, that you, that you, you set backyard. up and then it broadcasts. You can broadcast it to yourself and inside so you can hear what's going on outside. Mm -hmm. And then it also secures data of nocturnal flight calls that it can then upload but then it's also like attached to the modus system. Mm -hmm. And so any bird that has a modus tracker on it and it goes past your Terra device in your backyard, then it tracks where that bird is. And, and, and gives a data point for the researchers that have set up these, uh, these trackers on birds. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that when we talked to Re uh, Rebecca Heisman mm -hmm. about her book. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm just so interested in this program so i really want to buy one of those and check that out so if you have one you know let us know what you think about it those those terra backyard the, the, the terra backyard microphones yeah because i think that is just so cool and it was cool to see them at bird fair too because yeah. it's you know it's more of an american 
thing is my understanding. It's my understanding, but I, we could be completely off. It could be just as big over, over there too. That's true. Yeah, we just don't have as much of a. We don't have feel. a grasp of, of, of the community <laughs> over there as much as we do as the community over here. Yeah. So lots and lots of um, stuff to see and talk about. Um, we ended up meeting up with Alen and Yoav again for dinner, um, and we and weirdly, Jonathan too. and Jonathan too, yeah. And uh, weirdly enough, we went to the Grain Store Brewery. <laughs> which um so they were supplying the beer for the fair so we were like hey let's go to this place just down the street it's in oakham so it's not that far away great beer at this place so yeah. they, we, we found they had great beer at the fair so i was like you know what let's let's go there it's got great beer anyways so they also have really good food it was it was kind of like traditional um english pub style so you got bangers and mash i got a duck something it was <laughs> it, had, it was duck it was good i liked it um but it was it was really it was it was a really good um experience Cause also because it was what, what day? It was a Friday, so it was like busy, like a Friday busy. Yeah. Everyone's there, and we're kind of sticking out. Because oh man, yeah, because I don't know how to like. I've never really been to like a pub pub mm-hmm. in England, and so I didn't really know how to like jump in there and get a seat. And I was just kind of wandering around because Eric ran to the bathroom, and I was just wandering around waiting for our <laughs> friends to get there. It's like I don't know how to get a table. There's no one to help me. And the gal at the bar was like. Just go grab that one. Go grab it. <laughs> it was like like grab Hannah by the arm and drug her over there and be like, okay, this is your table now. <laughs> so now I know to be a little bit more forceful and just, just be more assertive. Just I guess. Go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, so the next day, got up, had a little bit more time to go birding and explore. Our interview that afternoon was later in the day. So. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't until late in the afternoon. So we ha- we had some free time in the morning to actually try to get some proper birding in. Um, but again, this year was different than last year. Last year we were t- temperatures in 90 to pushing a hundred oh, degrees yeah, it Fahrenheit. It was like 40 degrees Celsius. It was, it was oppressively hot last year. Very dry, very hot. There was massive wildfires all across Europe at the time. It was, it was intense this year. The whole time we were there, it was tropical rain showers followed by, a little bit of sun, and then boom, hit us again with the well, showers. And so, just wild winds, too. Lots of wind, yeah. So it was it was a slightly different experience. This is more in line with what we expected to see. Mm-hmm. But it put a little bit of a damper on birding. So we would go out, and we would bird a little bit. But during those big, heavy rain showers, there's not a lot of activity. The birds the birds kind of, they hide themselves. They're, yeah. they're not dumb. They're not going to stand out and get wet for no reason. So they, they, they duck down, and they're, they're a little bit quieter. But we still went to Ibrook Reserve, uh, Reservoir. And which was uh, south a little bit, south a little bit. Was it twenty minutes or yeah, so? Yeah, it wasn't south too far. Of Bird Fair. And this year we didn't have a whole lot of targets that were easily accessible mm-hmm. because of our um, our limitations with the events that we had already scheduled on our schedule. Yeah, some of our obligations that we had this year. Yeah, so we weren't able to like drive, you know, the, the two hours out to the coast to get anything. Mm-hmm. So we were a little bit more limited this year in where we could actually go, but. Ibrook Reservoir was also a fantastic location. Yeah, we fa- we found a couple of random spots and pulled off and looked around, saw saw some kind it, of interesting birds and stuff. It's a huge reservoir. Yeah, huge thing. You drive pretty much the entire perimeter of yeah. it. Um, and then our second stop, we first stop. There wasn't a ton of stuff. There was there was a couple um, small passerines and stuff. We had a, um, a couple gulls fly over. Well, and the red kite and there was red, carrying red kite, crows yeah. in the trees that were hollering. Yeah, so, so, which I think like, you got a recording of. I think I got a recording of it. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Um, anyways, we saw that stuff and moved on to the next stop we made. Um, we walked through what was quite a bit of uh, nettles, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize it was nettles till we're walking through it. And it's like, oh, this kind of stings. Okay. Were, well. you, were you wearing pants? No, I was in shorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I was, I was wearing shorts, and I was like, my legs are kind of itchy, a little bit of a burning itching on my legs. And then it, it wasn't was like, as oh, bad as uh, American Nettles, though. No, it's definitely not as bad as what we have here in the States. Like, it's, I, I feel like it's almost like a, it feels like you got whipped by, like, a hot, like, wire or something when you get hit with the stinging nettles here in, in Oregon. Yeah. But then there, it was just kind of like a little bit of a burning itching. Not yeah. not too bad. Um, but... I, I go go a little bit out into the nettles and realize, oh man, this kind of hurts. And then I turned around and in the water there was a nesting great great crested grebe. Like I d- didn't even see it. We just kind of came to this point and it was right there, like just a couple hundred feet away. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. So then I'm like crouching down in the nettles, trying to like push the push the stuff out, trying to get pictures of my camera and stuff. It was it was kind of kind of cool watching yeah. it like work on its nest and try to like pick up sticks and throw things around. Well, like and- it was pretending to be busy. <laughs> Uh, and lots of common terns flying around, great cormorants, uh, swallows. Mm-hmm. It was very pleasant, even though, you know, it was threatening rain the entire time. The entire time it was There weren't a whole lot of cars driving around, and it was just serene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was enjoyable. That was the relaxing sort of birding that I had wanted day one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, get used to it and bird and just relax. And so that, that's what we got there, sitting there watching the great crested grebe and uh, watching the cormorants kind of fly around, watching the, the little turns, or the common turns, uh, mm-hmm. not little turns, common turns flying around and just kind of doing these acrobatic dances in the air as they kind of pretend like they're about to dive and then they stop at the last minute and just kind of doing that whole thing. That was, that was a lot of fun to watch. But then we had to get back to business. Yeah. Go, go back to bird fair. Back to bird fair. And because day one was rain, mm-hmm. uh, day two was starting the mud pit yes. right at the entrance. The mud pit was beginning. And because Eric and I, the only thing that I really knew about bird fair going into, you know, last year was that it's usually a mud pit. I made us buy wellies or, mm-hmm. you know, in this case, extra tough like ankle yeah. boots. Last year. We bought those, yeah. Yeah, and last year we brought them, and it ended up being oppressively hot, like Eric said. But this year, we were prepared. We brought them. And I feel like we were the only prepared people. (laughs) We were literally the only prepared people. We had flown the farthest, but we were the only people prepared. (laughs) It was very, it was was a really interesting position uh, that we were in. Everyone's commenting about, like, we, we were in this group chat with all the podcasters, and everyone's asking, oh, hey, can you pick me up some boots here, boots here? Uh, everyone's asking where they can buy me, buy some boots at. And everyone was sold out of boots. Every, yeah. Everywhere locally was sold out of boots because nobody came prepared. And we were like, we were like the only people just sitting there like <laughs> laughing secretly inside like, ha ha ha, we brought these for no reason last year, but now we've got them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people walking around in like flip flops yeah. and uh, which, hiking boots. Which, that, which the, the sandals, like wearing, wearing the Chacos or the Keens or whatever, the sandals, that's a better position than some of those people. No. There, there were some people oh. that were wearing like socks and like tennis shoes and just like, it's like, that sounds so like, horrible. Like trash their shoes. Tra- that sounds horrible. And so it was, you, I feel like you had to be on one end of the spectrum or the other. You had to either be full in, you're wearing your tacos, you're, you're just going, nope. getting muddy feet and nope. hose them off at the end. I, no. Or rubber boots. But it was kind of chilly. So like you needed, you needed a little bit of warmth. So that was, yeah. I feel like your heat would be just sucked out of you in the in in the sandals yeah that sounds horrible it doesn't sound that bad to me that's like, like i said I, I would rather one or the other nowhere in the middle i don't want to be in tennis shoes or hiking boots and have them get all like full Sopping. of water and mud like yeah, yeah. so anyways uh be warned um <laughs> it can get very wet there yeah it's england it's england in the summer you never know what's actually going to happen with well, the weather just watch the forecast like the week before that's and true. then you have an idea 
So anyways, we got there, yeah, got in, and we were, you know, kind of just dinking around, chatting with people, mm-hmm. because we didn't have anything to do until later, and we stopped and watched one of the events on the main marquee, and yeah. it was our friend Dominic Cousins. Yeah, who... he, he was hosting a game show, a, a game show style presentation between entomologists and ornithologists. ornithologists. So you had the bugs versus birds game show. And there was all sorts of weird questions that were, like, very specific, like, bird questions and then very specific insect questions. But it was funny that, like, the very specific bird questions, like, the ornithologists didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the... Uh, the bug experts they were giving information they were they were able to answer the bird stuff and then the bird people they were they were able to answer some some of the bug stuff so it was just so weird like where that crossover of information <laughs> was at between these two these two groups of experts up there it devolved quickly it very very quickly <laughs> but it was devolved. hilarious it's, that's that's kind of the point of the whole thing i think is just we have this idea of a game show <laughs> we're gonna get 150 200 people sitting here watching it and then we are going to completely abandon that script, and we are just going to give each other a hard time well, up here on stage. And then it was like <laughs> telling stories from times they had gone burning together, too. <laughs> it was it was, it was was pretty fun to watch. It was. Uh, yeah, so we spent the, the day doing that and checking out the booths, and then I had an interview with Brene from Zeiss uh, Optics for my Women Birders Happy Hour. So make sure to check out the upcoming episodes. I think it's like in uh september that that one will come out and yeah just kind of dinked around and then we went to dinner at the admiral hornblower which we tried to go to last year yeah and we ended up in a michelin restaurant that was like right next to it because because it was too late in the day for whatever reason that i think it was because the kitchen that's that's what it was last year everything was so hot places were closing early or not opening because it's there was no ac it's just just like here in oregon here in the pacific northwest that nobody has ac because it doesn't ever get hot so last year, everyone was closing because it was so hot. This year, everyone was open because it was just regular rain. But that that restaurant's just so funny. It's like huge inside. Like oh, I didn't yeah. I didn't even understand last year when we went in because we just went to the bar. And I like, thought it was just the bar. I thought I it, thought it was yeah. too. It's just it's such a cool old funky place. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next day, day three, that's last day of bird fair. That was the last day. And we only had the one obligation to interview Mark Pearson right at the end of the day. And Mark, we know from the champions of the flyway, Mm -hmm. he's real invested with that, but he's also a big birder in the UK. And so he he guides on the Yorkshire coast. So up on the Northeast coast of England, he, he does lots of guiding up there and he works for uh, Yorkshire nature coast. Yes. So Fantastic guy. Friend, probably one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. Oh, I know. And he's 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 a hoot to hang out with. Yeah. He's 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 great. He's awesome. You guys will we, you'll have to listen to the interview. In, in in a couple of weeks, you'll you'll hear the interview from Mark, and it, I feel like it comes across like he's he's fun he's fun to hang out with, and I I hope to. Hope to see him again real soon. Yeah. Yeah, so we kind of spent the morning, like, saying goodbye to folks, you know, checking in with other organizations that we hadn't seen before to mm-hmm. see what's new. And, you know, it was fun talking to the RSPB about yeah. all of the locations that they have and what they've got going on. So, yeah, just uh, kind of a chill event. We did check in with Co Sporting Optics because they have their new yes, spotting scope that they were displaying at Bird Fair. Yeah, so anybody that follows optics companies online, like any of their social medias and stuff, if you follow Coa, I'm sure you've been inundated with their stuff. So you probably <laughs> don't need to hear us talk about it. But um, the they just released a Coa, a 66, 66 millimeter objective lens. So it's, it's a compact scope, but... Like I, when I was talking to um, Jeff Bouton, one of their one of their salespeople there, it's less 
compact and more just a smaller scope. So it, it doesn't it doesn't have doesn't seem to have a lot of the um, drawbacks that a compact scope mm-hmm. has. It's more like it's like an eighty eight except for just smaller. Yeah. And in, instead of having a you're missing the field of view, you're missing light, you're missing all that stuff that you get with a compact. You you get most of that stuff still. And it's smaller, and so it's you can like actually pound, fit it in a backpack. A pound or two lighter, or something. Yeah, so it's 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 awesome. We'll we'll I think we'll post a video of us talking about it a little bit with uh, with Jeff on the social media in a couple of days, or maybe today or something. But um, but it was, it was kind of cool. Brand, brand new scope, um, using all the same technology they've been using, hundred percent fluoride, all that all that fun stuff. But yeah, we got to talk with them a little bit about the the new equipment that they're that they're selling and it's kind of going everywhere. Yeah, very, very cool. I'm very excited. I, I hope we can get one of those at some point. <laughs> Uh, I just don't know. Like we we've found a way to make the eighty eight fit and the ninety nine fit in our luggage. It would be weird to have all that extra space if we're bringing a sixty six somewhere. We could bring more clothes. We could bring more clothes. Yeah. So extra set of shoes. While we were chatting with them about the scope, we got a, one of the the other people that were at their booth working at their booth. He mm-hmm. got a message about a ruddy shell duck because yeah. he was he's a UK birder and so he's on all the chats he, and everything. He's, for he's a pretty pretty birds. heavy hardcore twitcher. Yeah. He's he's he does all of their uh, a lot of their filming and stuff over in the UK. So anyways, he told us that at the uh, Rutland Waters, they had a ruddy shell duck being seen. Mm-hmm. And we were standing there like, should we go? Should we not go? And Jeff was kind of just chomping at the bit about like, I want to go, I want to go, but I have to work. <laughs> and we were like, ha ha, we was, don't have to work. It was almost, we almost decided to go for spite. To spite. It was almost a decision to go for spite to, well, Jeff can't go, so we'll go. And... <laughs> well, I mean, we walked away thinking like, yeah, we'll just, you know, say goodbye to some more people. And then I was looking at my watch, looking at my watch, like, we have like two more hours until our next and it's, thing. It's only 10 minutes to drive over there. Yeah. So we raced out to the car, got on the road, went to the Linden Visitor Center, which we went to last year mm-hmm. for a little bit. They have a couple of blinds that's on the south side of Rutland Water yeah, uh, versus the Anglian, which is on the east side. The of west it. side. The west side, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So the, along the south side, there's a couple of view spots that you can view the osprey nests that they have. And they've, they've got a couple osprey nests that are active. And if you're not familiar with the UK, ospreys were almost entirely extirpated, um, and now they're coming back. This is one of the one of the locations that they've reintroduced them, and they are doing well. They have cameras on the chicks, and it's super super interesting. They have a whole visitor center dedicated just to the ospreys and mm-hmm. and how to see them and all that. And then you can walk down and go to find the hides that you've got ospreys at. So that's what that site is kind of about. Um, but you could see the ready shell duck while we were from from one of the locations. So that's where we had to go. We had to get out there, run basically run out to the end, which is where it was at. Yeah. And set up the scope and see what we can find. Yeah. So we were like sitting in the blind. You know, there was a number of other folks in the blind, and nobody. Of course, English birders are usually pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't. There's not a whole lot of like chatter in the blind, and so I I was the annoying American. I was like, Has anyone seen it? <laughs> <laughs> because nobody is like getting excited about it, and then they came kind of gave us the rundown that like oh it was on the backside of this um, this There's peninsula. little finger sticking out yeah. yeah and it had the when the rain had come in it went behind it and so we were like ah bummer and just searching from one end to the other uh, using the scope and then like I pretty much gave up at that point everybody I, I, else had left everybody else had blind. left we we were the last two left in the blind and then all of a sudden. Doop, 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 
It swims out. It's like, that is not the same duck as all the other ducks it's out like there. It's like half a mile away, too. Yeah, it was pretty pretty distant. Um, got a handful of videos and photos through the scope. But yeah. It was, it was way out there. Called the people who had just left the blind back in, like, you're going to want to see <laughs> just this. Just, like, tried to, like, whisper loudly to them, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. I know you were here looking for this. It's it's out. And they yeah. come in and run and look at it. So that was... That was that was that was good to get them on it and good for us for us to see it and likely it's an escaped exotic anyways but it's wild it's 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 one of those iffy the the provenance of it is iffy so it's it gets marked as um, a provisional exotic I think is what the on symbol eBird. on eBird is it's the circle with a red uh, um, little star thing inside it mm. yeah so it's it was still interesting still still first time we've ever seen that bird so. yeah. So that was exciting. And then we had to race back to the bird fair so mm -hmm. we could do our interview. Yeah. We started off bird fair with an interview and then we were also the last ones to have an we, interview. We were, the same, we were the bread to the sandwich that is bird fair. Yeah. It was, it was on either end there and we, we kind of, we, we pulled it all together. We're very important. Very important. We pulled the whole thing together. <laughs> so like we said, we interviewed Mark about birding in the UK and about the things that he's involved with, which you'll hear in our next episode. Uh, but as we were chatting with him, and one actually one of the funny things about the whole bird fair booth and everything, <laughs> because the weather was so wild, like day two, there was the tent, you know, that goes over the, the food, the dining area. Yeah. And the podcast booth was next to it, kind of you know, blasting out to that food area. The winds were so strong, they took off the top of the, the booth. Yeah, because it got over the maximum speed limit for the tent. Yeah, like 40 miles an hour winds or something yeah. wild like that. So we were just kind of chatting with Mark, and then every once in a while it would, like, start raining, and then it, like, had to we, close the, the doors of the Suaro booth. Yeah, we had to pause for a few minutes while they did some adjustment to the sides, so because there was a bunch of banging and loud, and we were like, okay, well, let's just sit here and wait until they're done making a lot of noise, yeah. and then we'll, get, we'll continue this interview in just a moment. But yeah, it was, it was it was a great interview. We had a lot of fun. Um, but in the middle of the interview, Hannah's getting her phone's blowing up. She's getting texts from uh, Petra, who's the marketing manager for Zeiss. Yeah, and she's messaging me about this uh, Zeiss Cornell presentation they were about to do, and that it would be worthwhile if we attended. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what this is, but but you we know. should probably go over whatever yeah. whatever's going on over there. <laughs> yeah. So we you know finished the interview, which was about time anyways for yeah. that. And we all raced over and, you know, they're kind of standing there like about to give a presentation. I was like, yeah, I don't e know what's Ian happening. Ian Davies and Petra and, and, and these kind of like big wig people from uh, Zeiss and from Cornell. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this must be like the eBird giveaway thing. Like, because I'd kind of seen it. I didn't really look at the rules, but I kind of seen the eBird giveaway that, oh, if, and during checklists, they're going to randomly select from See, I didn't. I wasn't stuff. even aware that they were doing that. I, I saw it kind of incidentally. I wish I would have read it more more in detail so we could have, like, talked about it more. But um, it, it seemed like it was pretty much like a reg, the regular eBird giveaway where they pull a random selection of checklists. Sure. Um, and this was people who were submitting checklists during Bird Fair at Bird Fair. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd been submitting checklists, obviously. We're, we're, some, we're just birding. I ended up doing, like, nine checklists over the three days. Um all, all located at Bird Fair and then kind of in the surrounding area. Um, but they called us over because for the first time ever, I won. <laughs> so I, it was amazing. So I, I won a, a pair of the binoculars, um, randomly drawn out of the checklist, which Ian had to make a big deal about multiple times. Like, this was random. It was random. I looked at all the checklists. I had to double check it. <laughs> he was the, like, there were people watching. The, the, the checklists are randomized by their number. Like, the, the 
the identifier number mm-hmm. for the checklist. He's like, it's all, it's, there's nothing fishy going on. It's, it's, there's nothing. And then you announce my name. It's like, oh, that's why you made such a big play. But <laughs> there's nothing fishy going on. But, uh, but it was great. I, I won a pair of the um, Zeiss SFL binoculars. So I'm super excited about that to have a pair of binoculars. Yeah. That just live in, live in my car now. So I don't have to try to like juggle my, my, uh, my koas versus, versus these. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, so thank you, Petra and Zeiss and yes. Ian and Ebird for doing that. That was very cool, you know, that Eric was randomly selected for that. Yeah, and just to everyone submitting checklists, it can happen. You can <laughs> win. You just have to be persistent enough, I guess. Apparently. I, I've been I've entered or I've technically entered like every single checklist competition competition every month, like their monthly challenge. I think I have submitted and participated in every single one since they started them. Went started doing them, and I don't. I've never won. I was like, oh, they just, they're, they're just. You, you don't win those. That's not. That's <laughs> not something you win. You, it, it doesn't happen. But apparently, it does. So, okay. yeah, just keep entering, entering checklists, good data, all that stuff. So that was about our time there. Uh, we said goodbye to everybody that was on our way out yeah. and got in the car and headed back up to Edinburgh to fly out the next day yeah six hour drive which flew by like a six hour drive <laughs> um right up to edinburgh um crossed a couple of bridges up there kind of kind of some cool interesting bridges yeah i barely talked about infrastructure in this episode at all oh man that's awful yeah we, we talked about tents yeah let's go back and re-record this so i can talk more about bridges and stuff <laughs> um but compared to last year things were bigger things were more exciting the weather was different yeah. um but I don't think that was a huge deterrent. There was there was still a pretty significant number of people. I, I think locally it deterred people. They were like, "Oh, I'll just go next year." Maybe. But uh, but everyone everyone that flew there, drove there, was there. So the weather, I don't feel like, was a huge deterrent to actual participation. No, no, I don't think so either. Um, it was fun to see all the different presentations that are going on. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool to have the podcasting booth. I yeah. really enjoyed that. And you know, the podcasting like vibe in the UK is just so different. Like we don't know a whole lot of podcasters in the U S like, I know there's a couple and I know a couple of them, but in the UK, they're all very tight knit, which oh, is yeah. so and, fascinating. And they're still, they're still messaging. We have a group chat going. Oh, I know. They're, I, they're I still messaging. Muted. Yeah, exactly. I ended up having to mute it because unfortunately, sorry guys, I'm, I'm in the U S and if you guys are talking about stuff in the UK, I can't, I can't, uh, at the drop of a hat, go and join you. Well, also because of the time <laughs> but, zone, like oh, sometimes they're chatting when it's midnight. They very weird hours for us. So it, it got muted, but they are actively still talking. Like this whole group of all these podcasters are still actively talking and yeah. they were probably actively talking before we got invited into the group chat. Probably. <laughs> and so it's, they're, they're very tight knit. They're, they all have a, a niche that they follow within. And the same thing with, um, the U S podcast, um, podcasters, we all have a niche that we're falling into. We all have a slightly different audience. So anyways, they're all, they're all tight knit over there. So that's, that's super cool. And it was kind of nice to kind of get a little sneak peek into that. And they, they welcomed us in with open arms yeah, that was as, very as part nice. of it, which is, which is a lot of fun. And it was so fun to meet different folks uh, this year. I was very excited to meet Stephen Moss, um, <laughs> who acted at least like he had heard of us before. So that was very exciting. Even if it was just an act, it was I... it was nice. It was nice to feel feel heard. Yeah, um, but it was fun to see you know Boris from uh, 
Lithuania. Yeah. And we he, saw... B- Boris started his own... Um, it's kind of a podcast, but it's on YouTube. Um, but it's the same thing, all about Lithuanian birding. Yeah. And it's the curly pelican. In that's, Lithuanian. That's a, in, in Lithuanian. Yeah, however that translates into Lithuanian. That's the name of his... Name of his show, and he talks about birding around the area because he's he's a bird guide along the coast of Lithuania. So it's always an amazing event to go to. Um, I we don't anticipate going next year, but you know maybe in five ten years that we'll we'll get back there and do it again. Yeah. Anyways, um, thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or anywhere else you listen to us. If you would like to connect with us on the socials, please follow us at Hand Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Follow our Facebook page, Hand and Eric Go Birding, our email, um, Hand and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends. <laughs>